This is Bruce Frieden of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with Roger T. Pipe of Raj Reviews. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce the launch of our new website, Adult Site Broker 3.0, at adultsitebroker.com. The look and feel of the new site is nice and up-to-date and easier to navigate. The new site also has links to our affiliate program, ASB Cash, and our new blog. Speaking of ASB Cash, we've doubled our affiliate payouts. That's right. Now when you refer sellers or buyers to us at Adult Site Broker, you're going to receive 20% of our broker commission on any and all sales that result from that referral for life. You can either place a link to us on your site or refer buyers and sellers through an email introduction. ASB Cash is the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage. Check out asbcash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer for sale a growing sex doll site. Started in 2016, it's grown to over $2 million in annual revenue. The owner has focused and invested heavily into SEO for the site, making sure it consistently ranks at the top in the search engines for the main industry keywords. As a result, most of the traffic and sales are organic, coming from people who have searched for sex dolls on Google. Other strong sales channels are the 25,000-plus person email list and an affiliate program. The owner has developed relationships with the best manufacturers. The products are drop-shipped directly from the manufacturer to the customer. The store has hundreds of five-star reviews on the website and on third-party sites. The store currently has no employees aside from the owner who works 10 to 15 hours a week on the business. SEO is handled by an agency. This is a business that can be grown by a company with experience in the novelties field. Only $2.72 million. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Roger T. Pipe of Rod Reviews. Roger, thanks for being back with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Thanks for having me back. It's great to have you. Now, Roger is an avid porn fan since the mid-80s. He started reviewing adult movies as a hobby in 1995 and posting them to news groups. After having them picked up by adult retail sites, Roger began RodReviews.com in 1996. The site houses over 8,000 reviews of adult movies, as well as toys, websites, and hundreds of interviews with porn stars. He's a member of the X-Rated Critics Organization and was inducted into the XRCO Hall of Fame in 2009. Roger is also a regular voter in the annual AVN and XRCO Awards. He does a yearly podcast series breaking down the AVN Awards nominees and winners. Roger has appeared on television, on Naked New York, numerous radio programs, including regular segments on Love Bites with Bob Berkowitz, K-Sex Radio, Playboy Radio, Daily Noise, as well as his own shows on Radio Dentata. Oh, I remember old Radio Dentata. We were two of the few hosts on there. <laughs> the good old days. Oh, yes, indeed. In 2010, Roger penned a chapter entitled Something for Everyone for the collection Philosophy for Everyone, How to Think, 
with kink. So, Roger, ever had any truly embarrassing moments in our industry? The one that comes to mind, um, the first time I was on the radio, uh, on Bob Berkowitz's Love Bites show, kind of a big deal back then, certainly a big deal for me. I'd been doing the site for a couple of years, mm-hmm. get an email from his producer, Bob would like to have you on the show, very excited, but also very nervous. You kind of notice when I talk, I, I talk fast when I get nervous. <laughs> uh, this is back in the IRC chat days, and I spent my afternoons hanging out with other porn fans and porn dignitaries in a, a really supportive IRC chat group. Mm-hmm. So everybody was there, showed up to support me. This was live. Everything was great. Doing mm-hmm. the interview. Honestly, I was doing pretty well. And Bob says, hey, how'd you like to promote your website? Sure. Great. Gave out my website. I have to say, I had stopped looking at the IRC chat because I was getting distracted. So mm-hmm. I looked away from that and I give my URL. And Bob says, really? Raj with a J? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I spelled it wrong a second time. <laughs> he hands me another lifeline. It's R-O-J, not G. I did it again. Oh, no. I did it a third time. So when I went back at the end, the IRC chat, of course, was just all caps <laughs> screaming at me. Jumping. You're spelling it wrong. <laughs> did you buy Did you buy Raj with a J after that uh, segment? I, I, I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, I was mortified. But the good news is five minutes after the show, uh, Bob called and said, it went well. We want to have you on regularly. Um, nice. He did say, but you probably should get your, your URL right next time. So <laughs> I'm sure that I, was uh, a good joke the next time you went on. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't. I never heard the end of it as long as I was an IRC chat. I had to change my uh, my name, actually, to, to spell it with a J. <laughs> Why so not? Was, uh, Why not? Hey, I love it. I love Indian food. So there you go. <laughs> there we go. So you wrote a chapter for a book. How did that come about? I did. It was for um, Philosophy for Everyone, How to Think with Kink. Uh, I was approached by the, it's kind of an anthology, uh, asked mm-hmm. to do, to kind of pitch an idea. Right. And I pitched an idea. It's basically the chapter is about how the porn as, as a film or as a movie has evolved. Now, this was mm-hmm. in t- 2009, so it's evolved again since then. But basically okay. how it went from a film that had to appeal to 100% of the audience because there were only a couple hundred distribution points throughout the United States, right? You had to go to a theater to see the movie and how home VHS completely changed the game. So you went from a couple hundred to a few million distribution points. And then how the internet changed it even more. And along with the technology, how the product changed from a movie that has to appeal to everyone to mm-hmm. videos that could be cranked out quickly so you could make you know some that appealed to this part of the audience etc cetera, etc cetera, down to now where you literally can make a movie for 10 customers charge them each 40 bucks make 400 dollars that's your day and you move on yeah and how it really has become sort of hyper we're in like, like a hyper niche time in the industry boy are we yeah. So it was a lot of fun writing it, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm proud of how it came out. The rest of the collection is excellent too. It was. Mm-hmm. Re- I'm really proud to be up, you know, up in there with some other very serious looks at the industry. Mine was kind of tongue in cheek a little bit, but also mm. serious how how it did change, how you had to make a movie to appeal to everyone, and how that just how the technology led us to what a lot of people think is an inferior product, right? Because it might not be as interesting, mm-hmm. but uh, certainly has reached a greater audience. Right. What year was that? 
I want to say that was 2000, 2009, 2010. I think I wrote it in 2009. Boy, it was when published you t- in 2010. Boy, when you talk about something for everyone, how that has come to be even more true. Absolutely. This was kind of the tail end of digital media being the dominant force. Mm-hmm. DVDs were still popular. But even if you look at, at what would have been in the video stores back in the 80s, right? You had feature films. Mm-hmm. that sort of evolved into what we called couch porn or gonzo porn, right? It was a guy, a girl on a couch. Mm-hmm. And Red Light District, Anabolic, Diabolic, Evil Angel made mm-hmm. movies that didn't necessarily have a narrative flow. So they were really a collection of scenes. And how easy that was to chop up onto websites. Right. Because you don't need a beginning and an end. Mm-hmm. So they're, I don't want to say just scenes. I don't mean to to downplay them, but right. they're interchangeable. You know, you can certainly, if you're a producer, you and you shot ten scenes in a month. You can pick the six you want to put in your in your DVD at that point, as opposed to '70s and '80s where you had a script, even if they were bad, even if they're a two page script, there was still some kind of a narrative, mm-hmm. and it definitely changed. And how things like clothing, body type, ethnicity, hair color became a theme to a movie. Right? right, that you wouldn't have had that in the '80s, and all of a sudden in the '90s you've got you know redheads with glasses. Okay, mm-hmm. five redheads throw glasses on them. So that's for definitely for a smaller market, but for that small market, that's exactly what I want because that's what I like. Sure, and it's you know as close to customizable in 2010 as we could get. Now with OnlyFans and things like that, you've got even more customization and it's webcams. Crazy. You yeah. can pick the webcam model you want and get the show you want. Yes. So it, it sort of led us to that. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, Roger, how do you feel that the uh, political climate has changed things? I think that's interesting because I don't know that it, that politics has as much to do with porn as it used to. Uh, again, because the themes of movie, they're not themes of movies, right? In the 80s, we had some some political parodies and things. Now, I think mm-hmm. it's more the overall social movements. Right. Uh, Black Lives Matter certainly had an in- impact on the industry. The the major news outlets changed the way they refer to certain genres of porn. It made people really think about minority representation, minority power mm. in the industry. Right. What is okay and what is not okay to yeah. depict uh, which and and a lot of people think it's common sense, but to an industry that is so appropriately concerned about censorship, especially coming from the outside world, uh, we still live in a country where a good third would probably just assume porn was was abolished. Yes. So you're, you were already starting behind in the game. Big time. The, the more people you offend, the more people you, you worry, you your support whittles down. So we're obviously concerned about that. But at the same time, are we reflecting our best selves out out to to the world we we're still living in a world where no you know african-american woman has ever won performer of the year at the major Mm. awards just never happened and i think people took notice of that a lot of places stopped um labeling movies as interracial because you know in in porn that means specifically black men with non-black women as opposed to what the word means which you know two different races so as a genre that kind of went away and when that happened, um, while certainly I, I applaud the efforts, my, my fear has always been 
if we're not careful, we're going to end up having less representation because now you're taking away award categories that were traditionally dominated and given to people of color. If you take that away, my my fear and, and you know I have an open mind. We'll see how we're doing a couple years into this, but a lot of a lot of stuff that went away, I, I worry we're going to end up having a negative effect. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. What is your favorite adult site? My favorite site is IAFD. Okay. Internet Adult Film Database, just because mm-hmm. everything that, that's ever been put on VHS or DVD is there. Mm. Um, and it's not a porn site, but I use it daily um, okay. to look up scene pairings, to look up, you know, I, I'm I'm still getting movies with people I don't know. I, I can find who they are, their their bio, lots of reviews. Um, mm. I read lots of those. So that's that's my favorite site. When it comes to sites to watch, there's lots of interesting ones. I think most of the big production studios from the last 20 years, Evil Angel, Jules Jordan, mm-hmm. uh, have created really great sites. Now, it helps that they yeah. have outstanding material, but they've also evolved and have great technical sites. They're easy to use, lots of options. I like those. I really like, and a lot of the same kind of stuff I like in DVD, right? Um, sure. Deeper, Vixen. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're just so beautifully shot yeah. that it ends up making for a really pleasant viewing experience. Whether and and I, I still watch DVDs, but I watch them on my computer screen, so there's less of a difference now, right? When I used to watch on a on a sixty inch screen, the difference in quality, even even the best quality, didn't, didn't look great on that screen. Now with you know high definition screens, you really see the companies that that put forth good effort. So I like those. Yeah. So you vote in the AVN and XRCO awards. What's that like? It's a lot of work. Hmm. And let me just say this, especially for AVN. I vote in in the final phase. Uh, the AVN mm-hmm. editorial staff goes through everything that's out there for a year. And they whittle it down to 120 or so categories, 500 or so nominees, which is a huge amount of work. Yeah. But getting it from the whole to that list, I think it must be two or three times as difficult. But then to sure. get get to that like four week period we have between the nominees and when voting is due, it it's a lot. Uh, there are times when I have four screens going at once. I try to rewatch every even stuff that I've seen. I just to to keep it refreshed in my memory. So it, it is a lot of work. It's it used to be drive up to their offices and pull from shelves and literally, you know, a whole truckload full of DVDs. Hmm. It's a little different now. A lot of companies will send like a zip drive or a lot of it's just, here's a, a, you know, a pass to our website. So it's, it's less Mm -hmm. uh, boxes now, but the way both AVN and XRCO work is once you get the ballot there, it's weighted ballots. So one through 10, who you put seven and eight matters in the overall score. Oh, okay. So it's a little trickier than just picking first. And I take it really seriously. So I go through and make notes. And as I go through a, a category, really try and and uh, do the best I can to make sure that I've covered everything. I usually make it with about a day or so before the deadline. And then I go back. Like, okay, I really got to go back and, and rethink this or that. And uh, then I usually try not to watch for about three weeks. Because I'm just done. Um, oh yeah, you must be cooked at that point. Yeah, it it uh, it's a lot. XRCO is a little smaller, 
and usually it's after AVN, so I kind of have an idea if like three of the same movies are in the same category. I remember how I ranked them before, so I've got a starting point. It means a lot to me. It always did when I was independent for 15 years before I got asked to do it. Only the best got to vote in these awards. Yes. And so when I was asked to do it, it, it was it was a big honor. And I've I've treated it very seriously. I, I do, tell. you know, the the podcast. And I have fun with it. I, I really yeah. do. It's one of the things that, you know, I get inspired to start a podcast series like this one where I actually talk to other people instead of myself. And what I want to do is I want to sit down with every adult critic I can find from the last twenty years and just hear their process and hear their thoughts on on movies and how it's changed because I find that really interesting. What makes, yeah. especially now with the technology, almost everybody has the ability to shoot something that looks good. And so what makes product A so much better than product B? What is it? You know, is, is it artistic angles? Is it just a little more detail? Is it onset personality that brings out the best in performers. There's a lot of little mm-hmm. things now that, that I've kind of, I kind of get caught up in and I, I still kind of geek out over this a little bit. You talk about how porn has changed with the technology. Why don't you talk a little more about that? Well, the delivery system, first of all, has, has changed it dramatically. It's so much easier now for people to see it and view it and view it in small bites. Yes. Uh, I would imagine a third to a half of porn is probably watched now on a phone. Yeah. Where 10 years ago, that would have been impossible to think about. Even if you told me half of porn was watched on a computer 10 years ago, I, I still would have been skeptical. It was on TVs and ever, ever growing TVs. And now it's just that much smaller. And high speed internet, of course, drove a lot of that. Oh, yeah. Because I, I think we talked last time when I, you know, we used to have to wait 30 minutes to download a song. You know, forget a video clip. <laughs> it, but now you can live stream. You can live stream cam shows in high def. That kind of technology puts it in your living room, your bedroom, on your phone, mm-hmm. very private and intimate in a way that wasn't possible before. Right. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm impressed by that. You've got websites now that work with interactive toys. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, I, tell I, I, tell Adultonics, right? Right, which which is just absolutely mind blowing. Mm-hmm. When I started twenty six years ago, which twenty six years is a long time, but mm-hmm. you know, probably most everybody listening is older than that. <laughs> when I started, it was a VHS tape. Oh, I certainly, I certainly am. <laughs> right, so it was a VHS tape, and a stack of those took up a big portion of your closet. Yes, and now you can store. How many you know terabytes of of porn on this, something the size of a wallet? So that's changed the the one on one the social media that sort of interaction. All that has drastically changed the industry and how people view it for the positive and for the negative. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about your annual AVN podcast. Why don't you get into a little bit of detail? Uh, anybody who sat through them. Uh, it's usually 14 to 16, 20 to 30 minute episodes. And I go through each and every category. We go over them. Uh, my thoughts. I have uh, AVN's blessing to discuss the process, mm-hmm. uh, to discuss my ballot. I usually don't say, here's who I voted for. I usually yep. will. Look, here's here's some people at the top of my ballot. I like it to be as interactive as possible. And what usually ends up happening is as we go over, 
each category. Then I upload the podcast. I get some user feedback, either commenting on what we talked about or questions about certain categories. Mm-hmm. We go over the changes in categories because the categories change over time, right? We used to have a lot right. of porn parody ca- categories. Now those are yes. gone because nobody makes them anymore. It's true. Um, and how drastically different. I still remember AVN when there was a best film and best video. So hmm. you so you actually had a separate category for shot on film. Yeah. And now you've barely got four features to nominate in a year. Yeah. So it's changed. So that's the podcast. I, like I said, I, I would like to incorporate other people. But right now, it, it's really simple for me to strap on the uh, the headphones and just talk about it. And it, it's a lot of fun. And I'm usually wrong, just so everybody knows. <laughs> um, I'm usually not way off. You know, usually someone in my top five wins, but there are times when, and and that's always interesting and humbling to me. I I know that there's a lot of people I respect voting, a lot of people whose opinions I respect and whose values I think I share. And you just kind of want to go, how did you guys miss it? Or how did I miss it? Which one of us is off? Because I didn't have that person even in my top five. That's why you have, that's why you have a lot of uh, good ears and eyes voting. That's true. It's not just mine. So it, it's a lot of fun. I, I like doing it. Like I said, I'd like to do a little more, a little more frequent podcasts. Mm-hmm. There's there's certainly a lot of issues going on in the industry, and uh, yeah. I haven't done interviews in a while because I don't really go to shows. Even before COVID, I'd kind of cut back on going to shows. Yes, but it's such a perfect opportunity to do an interview. Mm-hmm. And this conversational style. This is how I used to interview people. Right. Uh, I didn't. I didn't like just reading my twenty porn questions. You know, <laughs> I kind of wanted to to go a little deeper. So maybe I'll start a uh, you know a, a good uh, star interview podcast. That would be that would be excellent. I hope uh, hope I've inspired you a little bit. So I got to work on the voice. You know, you you blow me out of voice, the water with your me. voice is fine. Don't uh, thank don't you. Don't even don't even your voice is fine. I just I just happen to be a former sportscaster and the voice is voice is well trained. So uh, don't don't have voice envy because you shouldn't. So how did COVID change porn? I think it it was one of those things that pushed us towards a new kind of content, a smaller, more intimate content. Hmm. I think we were already going there with OnlyFans uh, because True. hardworking performers didn't have to leave the house and go to sets when sets were shut down, they had to stay at home, get more creative, mm-hmm. get more one-on-one time with their fans. And I think it's, it's turned a lot of performers into entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and it's made the ones who are already in moving in that direction. It's just skyrocketed them. Yes. I mean, we've seen some COVID themed stuff and it's mostly silly, but the fact of the matter is, for a year and a half when we were really shut down, you saw a lot of OnlyFans couples doing what they could do. And I think that attracted a certain audience. I definitely think people follow porn stars more now than they used to. And we talked in the last time about, I think the porn star has really faded a little bit compared to the Mm -hmm. the glory days of, you know, wicked and vivid and in those days. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the stars that people follow, have, I think, a more ardent following who have more access to them. 
they don't have to go out and look on the video shelves for, you know, if, you know, I used to go out and look for a Ginger Lynn or a Candy Evans movie. I don't mm-hmm. have to do that anymore. I can right. subscribe to Angela White's OnlyFans and I'm going to see everything she does. Right. So I think it changes the nature of being a fan and creates a more intimate uh, relationship. And I think COVID forced that step. There weren't the same number of shoots as before. So it yeah. forced people to to sort of get on get on board the train that was already leaving the station. So And a lot of performers decided they didn't need production companies anymore. Absolutely. I believe we talked last time about the, the difference in scale, right? Yeah. You want to make a, a big movie, you got to pay a lot of people. Right. You want to put on some makeup and find your favorite toy. You don't have to make a whole lot to, of money back to make that right. a profitable day. Right. You can do it on your phone. Yep. And that, that's, that, that amazes me. Yep. That, and, and, it, and it looks good. It yes. looks better than the stuff we saw in the 80s that were shot on film cameras. Oh, hell yes. The iPhones do an amazing job. Uh, I've seen some of the Apple commercials where they're showing movies get shot, supposedly get shot on an iPhone. And you absolutely can do that. It makes me wonder technologically what's next. Yeah, I'm I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think comes next in terms of content? I think we're going to continue to see smaller more intimate productions. We've already mm-hmm. seen a lot of talent is doing content trades for each other's OnlyFans or uh, right. many videos ch- channels or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Again, it keeps production costs down. If yes. you're a female performer, you can get a, a top-end male performer to come shoot a scene. You both get to sell it through your own channels. It, it's really performer ownership. And I think we're going to see more of that I, I don't see sure. how we can go back. I mean, I really don't because obviously mm-hmm. physical media is dying out. Yeah. Um, much to my, much to my chagrin, I still <laughs> buy DVDs and occasionally a CD. I know I'm 110 years old. I do but, buy C. I do buy CDs. Uh, I haven't bought an, I haven't bought a DVD in years. I, uh, I, I still buy mainstream Blu-rays. Not often, but you know, I bought the Batman had to have that. Yeah. Even though, as you know, my wife said, we've got HBO. It's it's right there. Anytime yeah. you want to watch it, doesn't matter. Right. Now yeah. I have this. I have you this want to own on it. a shelf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you want to own it. You're a collector. Yeah. I understand. I, I understand. still buy books. I, I, I don't think we're going back. No, <laughs> I, I use I use my Kindle on my iPad. <laughs> and and I should I should. I'm I'm about fifty fifty now. I'm getting better with mm-hmm. with books. But I, you know, I I grew up as an avid reader and. Yeah having the book in my hand means something to me. And I know that that makes me old, but uh, so I don't think we go back. I, I think mm-hmm. that obviously the only fans business model, not to promote them necessarily, because I think somebody else will come along and, and fill that void, but that style mm-hmm. where even when I, 10 years after I started, the big thing was every performer had to have a website, right? Right. I, I don't think we discussed this last time, but I interviewed Jenna Hayes right before Right before she got big, she'd just done a couple of movies. Mm-hmm. Right. She's from Orange County. And we went to Black Angus and I interviewed her. And at the end of the interview, I said, you need to go home and you need to get your website because somebody else will if you don't. Yes. And I waited three days. It was still available and I bought it. And then I called her immediately and said, <laughs> I told you to buy it. I've got it. It's yours. But I wanted to make sure you got it. And it was 10 years before she actually took ownership <laughs> Uh, wow. from it. Wow. But had had I not done that, somebody else would have bought it under her. That was the oh, big sure. thing then. 
Now right. nobody's got their own website. They buy the URL to 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 go toward their Twitter account or an OnlyFans account. Right. So that's their version of a website, and it's a whole lot easier. You know, you don't have to, and it's and it's a hell of a lot more profitable. Absolutely. So I, I think that's where we're going, and I think we're going to continue to see more performers who never really get into the talent pool. Right? Mm-hmm. The industry used to be a group of people. And you know, right. famously back in the 70s and 80s, it was a small group of people. But then it was everybody that goes to AVN. And it's the agents and the directors and the stars. And now I think you're going to have people who, now I'm shooting my stuff in Chicago and I don't, that's all I do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, again, going to change the nature of what being a performer is. Absolutely. So how has the job of a porn critic changed over the years? Oh, that That's a great question because... I know because I asked it. Of course. And that's something that I ask my fellow XRCO members every year when we get together and talk about different categories and what we're going to do for the show. What are we reviewing anymore? If mm-hmm. there comes a time in the next two years when nothing's released on DVD, because right now... Oh, there. I just grabbed a DVD. This is five scenes. They're all POV. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, four scenes. Four scenes of POV. Right. That's it. These can be completely independent of each other. The only reason they're together in a movie that I can review an award is because somebody chose to put these four scenes together. Okay. If they stop with a DVD, those four scenes are going to be four of 400 on that website for the year. Or 4,000 so, or, or 40,000 or 400,000. So what mm-hmm. am I reviewing? Yeah. The individual scenes for sure. But how do we get that across to, to readers and listeners mm-hmm. as to what is good or not? And, yeah. and I think as, as, we, it's hard. as we chop everything into smaller bite size, I think the critic becomes a little less important. Mm-hmm. Because when I started, there was a two and a half hour amount of time that you devoted to watching a movie and beginning mm-hmm. and end mattered and how everything flowed mattered and how they use the talent, right? If you had a, a vivid movie and it had Ginger Lynn and she was in three scenes, that's good. If she was in two, that was less good if you liked her. Right. So I think that becomes difficult. I think reviewing lighting, acting, all of those things becomes more difficult as what are the, what's the acting? You got three lines yeah. of dialogue. <laughs> I think but I think one of the biggest changes, and my fellow critics hate this, but let's be honest. People used to come to my site to save money. Yeah. Because it cost you a rental fee or a purchase fee if you were going to buy a movie. And I got, I've got, i got a lovely collection on an old hard drive somewhere of, of thank you emails. Thank you so much. I hmm. never would have found this gem had I not read your review. Or thank you very much. I'm glad I avoided seeing that. I would have wasted my money on it. Yeah. So in that way, not me, but adult critics were important gatekeepers of what was good and bad, whether you agreed with us or not. And, mm-hmm. and I firmly believe it doesn't matter if you agree with me or not. What right. matters is you trust me because yeah. I had plenty of readers who said, good, you hate it. I'm buying it. Right. <laughs> just like a music critic, just like a regular movie critic. Yes. But now that it's mostly free of what value is a, is, is a review or criticism? That's a good point. It's kind of like going to a restaurant. Do you care if it's great, if it's free? <laughs> you take a I bite do. if it's bad, you, right? But <laughs> on some level, if you can go to a buffet for free, take a bite of something, you don't like it, you throw it away. 
it matters a little less. Now, it still matters to people who, who are looking for something good, but it's easier now to, and not even free. Let's say you sign up for one of these mega sites for 20 bucks a month. Yeah. If you don't like this update, there's 12 more. Right. You can move on. Yeah. So I think now the value of, of being a critic is I'm trying to do things on a little larger scale. How does it look as a whole? Mm-hmm. How does this right. fit with somebody's career arc? And to try and be funny and entertaining. Because if someone's going to give me five minutes to read something, yeah. it better be smart. It better be funny. It better be entertaining. It better be something. Yes. Because if it's boring, then what's the point? And that's kind of yeah. how I feel about, about porn. I'd rather it be bad than boring. So what do you think being in the AVN or XRCO Hall of Fames mean to performers, fans, and, and of course yourself? I am a member of the XRCO Hall of Fame, and it means a ton to me personally because it was a peer voting. So to be voted in, and, and again, you got to remember where I came from in 96, I was a fan. I was writing for internet chat groups mm-hmm. and completely on the outside. And to have my work valued means everything. The The other writers on on that list are people I look up to. So that means a lot to me. I'm always interested in what it means to performers mm-hmm. because Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame, let's use those two examples. Right? Mm-hmm. Those are both outstanding groups of athletes and musicians, but oh, the yeah. Hall of Fames are for fans, right? You can go sure. to Cooperstown, you can go to Cleveland and you can see the mm-hmm. plaques and you can revel in the nostalgia. You can argue eligibility and who's better as a fan. We don't mm-hmm. have that in porn. So the AVN Hall of Fame, the XRCO Hall of Fame, does it matter to fans? It, it's a, name, a list of names on a website. So it, it's a different thing. And I think because of that, it has to mean something to the performer. Yeah. Or in this case, the, the critic. The, the contributor. I, I think another odd thing for Hall of Fames in, in, in porn, in, in baseball, what is five years after you're retired? Yep. Before you're eligible? Okay. You're, you're probably done. If you're out for four years, you're probably not coming back. True. And Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think it's 25 years after your first studio album. Hmm. Okay. You're, you're established. Yeah. In, in porn, it's 10 years after you started. And now hmm. lots of performers are still going strong at 10 years. Angela sure. White's first eligibility year was right in the middle of her three-peat for Performer of the Year, for goodness sakes. Hmm. We're going to put her in the Hall of Fame while she's winning. You know, It's kind of like you're going to put Jordan in the Hall of Fame while he's winning MVPs. I mean, you could. I've always kind of, I've always kind of been okay with things like that. I, I kind of think the waiting, the five-year waiting period in baseball is kind of ridiculous. I'd say if somebody retires and they're clearly a Hall of Famer, whether they be Derek Jeter or whether they be, I'm sorry, Barry Bonds, he should be in. You put him in the hall right away. I like that idea, and I, and I mm-hmm. agree with you. By the way, Bonds mm-hmm. should be in. It, it's, oh, it's ridiculous my, that you. My God. One of the best hitters of all time. And these writers, don't get me started on these baseball writers. Oh, my dear God. I had to deal with these guys in the press box and their their bullshit when I was in college working as an intern for the Giants. And all I can say is what a bunch of frustrated guys who never could play the game. And that's why they became writers. And oh my God, just dealing with them on a daily basis wasn't enough of a pain in the ass. And if you're in the Baseball Writers Association, you're holier than thou. Well, guess what, guys? Your shit does stink. 
and Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. And just for the record, um, adult <laughs> writers are not at all like baseball writers. I know. We're not bitter and frustrated and can never be in the game. Totally I could have. Well, <laughs> I am well aware. So what do you think the biggest challenges are that are faced by the industry moving forward? I, I think right now one of the biggest is going to be banks and yeah. having money controlled by people who don't like or don't trust the industry for mm -hmm. whatever reason. You know, I th politics. there's plenty of yeah, there, there's plenty of politics on on both sides of this issue um that make Unfortunately, this there's not enough politics on our side of the issue. That's, that's true. the worst part. So I think that's going to be the biggest challenge is as long as somebody else can cut off the flow of of funds, then yeah. it ruins this sort of new economy, right? The new individual performer as producer that yeah. that depends on a trustworthy and reliable payment plan. Yeah. And that didn't used to be a problem, right? You go, you shoot sure. your check from a, an established producer and you're fine. Mm -hmm. Now the performers are more vulnerable to that. And I think that's going to be a big challenge. And yep. then if DVDs go away and big studios mm -hmm. go away, I think performers are going to face the challenge of how do they market themselves? Yeah. Right. Back in the eighties, women who wanted to do well on feature dance, dance circuits got themselves on a couple of porn box covers that promoted their dance careers. Hmm. Uh, some cam models want to come out and do a couple of porn movies for a well-established company because you get yourself in a Jules Jordan movie or a Brazzers movie. Mm -hmm. You're going to be in front of a lot more eyeballs. And I think that's going to be the challenge. And mm -hmm. I don't know exactly how that's going to work. And maybe it doesn't have to. Maybe because there's a lot of cam performers that do just fine. They, yeah. they get their, their core audience. They do what they do really well. And they're fine with it. And maybe that's what happens with performers. And then you just word of mouth gets around. You do a couple of scenes with other popular creators. And you, you build that way. But again, I think what will happen then is it's going to be those that are really smart about it and work really yeah. hard. And it, it it's going to be more than just who looks the best on camera. It's going to take a lot of work. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that eventually, sooner than later, actually, we're going to need, need alternative forms of payment that have nothing to do with credit cards. Look, in Europe, there's never really been credit card acceptance. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a small percentage. It's larger than it used to be, but it's still a small percentage of the overall way people pay for porn and for everything else. So I think people are going to have to start getting more creative in what they accept. And I think crypto is going to be part of that. And, and that's going to mean a whole lot of reeducation, you know, big time. Uh, and, big time. and you know, you know what will happen then is people will develop scams and you know, it, it's, mm -hmm. People like that are always one step ahead of the game. So, Unfortunately. Yeah, I, yeah that, that's going to be, I think, the biggest challenge is yeah. finding a, a, a good income source. Yes, absolutely. What's your take on content-based censorship? We mentioned a little earlier about how some of the things have changed after Black Lives Matter. Some of the way interracial and, and racial play has changed. In general, I think content-based censorship is, is really frightening. Um, not because I think everything is okay, but because I don't think I should decide what's okay. I shouldn't tell you what you should watch. 
and you shouldn't tell me what I can watch. As long as everybody sure. involved is a consenting adult human being, and those are right. three really important criteria, right? Mm-hmm. Completely consenting, of age, and human. Beyond that, it's none of my business what role someone wants to play, um, if that is offensive to me or to someone else. And mm-hmm. someone is allowed to be offended and not want to watch it. That That's perfectly fine. I That's right. the kind of censorship I believe in. It starts with me and Self, what I turn on. Self-censorship, absolutely. absolutely. It's called America. It's called the First Amendment. It's called free speech. But when, you know, cause some of the, the clip stores took down certain types of content, specifically race play, mm. which is fine. I have no interest in watching it. I don't understand mm-hmm. it. Right. But, okay, so that can be taken away. But we all know how popular, you know, Fosest is. Also, nothing that appeals mm-hmm. to me. I don't trust anybody to make the censorship decisions for me and i don't trust myself to make it for anybody else Mm -hmm. and that's i I think we walk a scary line because if you say well this is offensive really yeah okay sure this is offensive to you but you know what the prettiest most romantic couples porn you could ever imagine in the last 30 years is offensive to that one third to one half of the country that finds but you but you understand why those types of content are being taken down it's being dictated by the banks right yeah and if that's your money flow these companies are too scared not to take it down yeah and to me and i don't usually like slippery slope arguments but i think it applies here Mm -hmm. because if if it offends 10 percent of the population we have to take it down well then what if it offends five percent of the population yeah or yeah. it just it it feels Everybody like seems to be offended by something now. yeah i i just censorship is what i do when i like what i choose to watch something different i just i fear a little bit because we do have so many legitimate attacks coming from outside that would oh, yeah. take everything off the table i used to find this when when i was starting out there was a big difference between vivid and wicked and evil angel and max hardcore it's like, mm. yeah, there is, but at the same <laughs> time, there isn't. Because the further back you get, we're all in this same bubble that people would be happy to squash. Yeah. Regardless, it really doesn't matter to them which of these two is more extreme or yeah. more offensive. Well, absolutely. And I didn't, I wasn't insinuating that what the payment companies are doing is right. I'm just saying that that's the reality that the sites have to deal with. So that's the situation now. Finally, what do you think about the whole Ron Jeremy situation? I think uh, it is incredibly sad. And this is something that's been talked about in the industry for a long time. And I'm going to tell you, I've been around a long time. I've been around Ron. I wouldn't say we were ever close. I I never particularly liked his vibe. Um, (laughs) Just I hear (laughs) you. But I never saw any behavior like, like what he's been accused of. Right. But- uh, XBiz did a great rundown of all the accusations and it's hard to read when, when you read. I know I saw that and it was, it was just mind blowing. Oh, it, it, it was heartbreaking too. And to realize this was going on and a lot of people knew about it. And sure. I think, and I think some of it, just the industry kind of played into, to that sort of silly goofiness. Mm-hmm. And I think we allowed ourselves to turn our back on how someone can be powerful and popular and do horrible things just yes. like mainstream Hollywood, just like sports, just oh, like yeah. politics. It, his story sadly isn't unique. 
Not at all. But the fact that it took so long in our industry kind of saddens me because a lot of the shaming came from within our own community and this idea that because of who they are, they can't be assaulted. Yeah. It just, no, he's no different. He's no different than Harvey Weinstein. Really? Yeah. He, he really isn't. And I think it's kind of sad. He's probably never going to stand trial for what he's done. And I hope knowing that at least he he's in jail for probably the rest of his life can bring some closure to some people. I think we're going to yeah. see some, some books written about it. Oh, sure. I think, and I think we, hopefully we've learned from it. I hope toxic masculinity is something that's going away. I think everybody got caught up in, in his persona and the fact mm-hmm. that honestly, probably the most well-known porn star for a time on the planet, bigger yeah. than any of the, any of the women. Yeah. And part of that was, was goofing on himself and people goofing on him, but it didn't matter. There he is. He's in movies. He's in music videos. He's hosting yeah. events and he got away with it because that's who he was. And uh, I'll tell you, I, like I said, I never really stayed very close because I didn't like his vibe, but I know a lot of people that I love and respect in this business who mm-hmm. swore by him. He's a, he's mm. a great guy. He's a great guy. And, yeah. You know, and it was like, but this mm. and this, yeah, that that's not true. Like, well, now almost everybody has had to come around and say, yeah, he's, he's got some issues. Uh-huh. Well, I think that's I would- an understatement. My my dear old mother used to say, "Where there's smoke, there's fire." And man, there's a there's a forest fire around that guy. Absolutely. Well, hey, Roger, I'd like to thank you for being back with us again today on Adult Side Broker Talk, and I hope we'll get a chance to do this again soon. Anytime, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. My broker tip today is part two of what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. Last week, we talked about converting traffic and improving your user experience. Make a good offer. If you're selling something and the offer isn't good, you won't make money. It's plain and simple as that. And if your offer is to contact you or to get more information, then make the offer attractive and easy to understand. If you're selling something, make buying easy. Show them an easy way to buy and then leave. Help them by making suggestions on what to buy. Amazon.com is the best at this. They always have suggestions on what to buy based on your buying and browsing history. They use AI to do this. There are AI engines available these days at a modest cost. Look into this if you can. Don't clutter up your site with unnecessary items, buttons, and images. Keep it as simple as possible. The best and most successful sites are the simple ones, the ones that lead you to take the action you'd like them to take. It's not that hard. Just remember, when you're putting together any site, try to think through the buying process like a human being. Whatever you do, don't turn over that process to your designer. Don't just say, build me a website. What you'll get out the other end will not give you what it is you're looking for. Give them as much direction as possible and make it easy for them to build a site for you that makes your business succeed. We'll talk about this subject more next time. And next time we'll be speaking with Amy Marie Merrill of the Cupcake Girls. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Roger T. Pipe. We're going to take next week off for the holidays and be back again in 2023. Talk to you next time on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.